This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Ann Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are Marilyn Halperin, Nicole O'Connell, and Hallie Gordon, all of whom are part of the education and outreach functions of their respective theaters. Marilyn is the Director of Education and Communications at Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Nicole is the Director of Education at Writers Theater. And Hallie is the Artistic and Education Director for Young Adults at Steppenwolf Theater. So as you might guess, they're here to talk about education and outreach. Maybe the way to start is for each of you to just explain the kinds of programs you're doing and uh, also maybe how you got into this gig. So, Marilyn? Our programs in our, have several tracks from performances here at the theater that students come to to touring with one of our performances of A Bridge Shakespeare out to the schools. Um, and then in in conjunction with those performances, creating teaching materials, teacher workshops, all of which are free. Um, and then each year, starting seven years ago, we um, developed a student-teacher ensemble of Chicago Public School English teachers who then in turn recruit their students. It's called CPS Shakespeare, and it's the one opportunity here um, where students are on our main stage creating their own piece of work, uh, a Shakespeare production, um, fully designed, fully realized by pretty much every single person on our staff. It's kind of an all-hands-on-deck um, um, experience for those that ensemble. Mm -hmm. And we pull from high schools all over uh, the city, the district of CPS. And just so I don't forget to go back to it, explain the role of the CPS teachers in the um, performance. So we recruit the teachers who have gone through our professional development program called BART Corps. They then in turn recruit several of their students. And the goal is, my mandate to them is to not choose the drama queens and kings of their schools but to be looking at students who are falling between the cracks, either in t academically or possibly emotionally, socially. Because after the six weeks that we spend together, one week in the summer and then five weeks in the fall, every single day after school except Fridays and every Saturday, the experience is such an immersive, intensive one that my hope is that we're not creating actors, that we are creating a transformative life experience that will help them in in other ways, not necessarily making them young actors. So then, Nicole, for writers, what are some of the programs that you're learning? Sure. So Writers Theater um, really values text work. Uh, that's our mission. So our education programs tend to sort of fall in line with that as well. So we have a very literacy-based education program focus, a lot of reading, a lot of writing. And our focus is really about getting students to have deep connections to great pieces of literature, whether that be a novel or poetry or a play. Everything that we do is customized. So we work specifically with classroom teachers and schools to create programs together Um so we don't ever teach the same way twice. Mm. Um, so we um, we do residency programs where we pair teaching artists with classroom teachers to do that kind of work in the classroom. 
Um, and those range from about two to four weeks to even six months, depending on the school and the program. Um, and then we also, we're located in Glencoe, so we're in the northern suburbs. Um, so we have a program that we tour shows to schools in Chicago Public Schools um, because it's often kind of a trek for kids to get up to Glencoe from the CPS district. Mm-hmm. So, um, and our touring shows tend to have a social justice focus, civil rights, violence, prevention, bullying um, tend to be the kinds of things that we do with that program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Hallie, step in more? Yes, we um, we have our foundation of our educational program is we do two productions a year, specifically um, for high school students. Um, and those um, productions um, tend to be um, something that's either an adaptation or a classic paired with a new piece of work. Um, we then create all of our programming around those two productions. Um, we have... Um, uh, about 10 teaching artists that we go through an intensive training session around uh, aesthetic education. Um, we also train our teaching artists alongside our classroom teachers as well so that it's a co-teaching environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have about five um, CPS schools that we do year-long residencies in their program in which we're co-teaching with them. And then we have 10 other um, schools in which we do what we call pre and post residency. So we go into the school before they see the show, and then we go back out after they've seen the show. And then we also have a young adult council program, which is a group of 20 plus high school students from all over the city that, um, that stay with us throughout their whole duration of high school, so three years. Um, they get to know our staff. They meet all the artists that come through Steppenwolf. Um, they create programming around productions. And we also take them um, all over the city to see um, other theater as well. Mm-hmm. And, Nicole, I feel like maybe I shortchanged you a little bit because it might be helpful just to describe a particular school and a particular custom program that, you created with them sure. recently. Yeah. Um, well, one of the programs that we developed with CPS teachers and principals is called the Novel Series Study Plan. And um, we were hearing from a lot of teachers that the emphasis was being put on short passage readers and questions and answers because that's what the state tests test. Um, so there were de-emphasizing novels. So we worked with classroom teachers to come up with a kind of new way to study a book where we use all of those academic exercises that they need to do, like vocabulary activities, writing, discussion groups. Um, and then we add theater and performance into the unit plan so that kids are getting multiple avenues to discover the novel and to connect to the novel and to relate to the novel. So are they themselves acting out passages of it? Yeah, yeah. And it depends on the book. So sometimes we choose a book that lends itself towards adapting scenes from the book for the kids to perform. Sometimes we choose a book where the students are writing their own personal vignettes that they're sharing and performing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're writing poetry responses to the book that they share and present. So we really kind of customize it based on what the text wants, what the classroom teacher really wants their students to focus on, Mm -hmm. and what big questions we want the kids to think about when they're discovering this piece of literature. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested to hear, because there's such a variety of approaches here, what would the three of you say you're all trying to do, and what would the three of you say that individually you're trying to do that's different? Mm -hmm. 
Marilyn, you're nodding. So. A, yeah. Well, it's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I really related to what you said, Marilyn, about finding the kids that fall in between the cracks. Yeah. I and mean, I think a lot of, um, I, I think a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's theater, so it's a drama program, and you want to find those kids that are actors. When mm-hmm. in actuality, I think our, what we all know is that theater is much more than that. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a social, emotional, um, component to it that um, really brings kids out of their shell that yeah. normally would not know how, how to do that. And I think that's what we're all, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I feel like that's a real big commonality. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, that's why we do whole classroom programs um, as opposed to um, programs where kids select into it, like an after-school drama club, which is also great because then kids get an uh, opportunity to deeply explore things. But it's important to me that students that may never have considered themselves a performer Mm -hmm. or may never have considered themselves a writer learn those skills and have the opportunity to kind of experience that for the first time. Right. And Marilyn, do you have anything to add to that? I think that we're all really looking at this interface between literacy and the work that we do in theater. And the work in a rehearsal process and the work of a good mm-hmm. reader is so closely aligned right. that I think all of us, when we're talking about text or when we're talking about um, uh, the kind of lessons that we're doing, we are really aware of trying to serve the needs of the schools, which already have so many pressures, teachers particularly, Mm -hmm. have so many pressures placed upon them that somehow what I think we're trying to do is serve their work as opposed to saying, oh, yeah, and then there's this other thing over here that you can do in addition. Mm Um, we work with classroom teachers, mostly K through eight classroom teachers, um, many of whom teach multiple subjects, um, and, um, most of whom don't have any theater experience. Um, so that's what we kind of consider our one-on-one professional development. I'm hopeful that we learn from them and they learn from our teaching artists so that when we leave the classroom, We've also left them with some techniques Mm -hmm. and some activities that they can use in their other units that then they can incorporate more uh, throughout the year as opposed to just a couple of times when we're there. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's that's maybe something else that we all share is we really want to leave a legacy in each of these schools of techniques and activities that can be used consistently throughout the school year so that kids are getting multiple times to experience creative activities and really grow and learn. Mm-hmm. And just one more question for you, Nicole. How do you match the artists to the classroom? Is there? Um, so it depends on the book, the grade level, the content of the the unit that we're working on. Um, some of my teaching artists are amazing with middle school students. Mm-hmm. Some of them have a great early childhood background, so they're more in the first through third grade classes. Um, and then it's an energy kind of feeling. I think you guys would probably say the same thing. I'm glad you're nodding. Um, that you sort of figure out this classroom teacher's energy and your teaching artist's energy and who is going to make a great team. It's not unlike casting a play. Mm-hmm. You know, 90% of your work is done if you make the right fit. Right. Right. So you're just picking up on some kind of chemistry. Somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything to add to that, Helen? 
No, I mean, I agree. There, I mean, the, the schools and teachers that we um, work with are primarily, I would say, English and drama. I would say that we do have um, some history teachers, depending on what our production is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I think like Marilyn and Nicole said, I think our, our all of our goals are... Um, to get students to um, be present, really, in, in with the work, and I feel like I feel like what we do is incredibly rigorous, and um, I think that Chicago is really lucky because we have because we have so many theaters here in Chicago, we have so many educational programs yeah. that are incredibly strong, and I think that. We're, the city is unique in that we all talk to each other, we all know each other, um, we all, you know, have worked together in one capacity, we share teaching artists, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very, um, and I think a lot of it is because at the core, the goals are the same, mm-hmm. our concerns are the same, or, and so we all um, do it a little bit differently, but it's, the goals are, are very much the same. Is there a clubhouse? Well, actually, funny you should say that, but we are actually, we've started, um, we've started a, um, an initiative called Now is the Time, and, um, with about 12 other theater companies, and it's called Now is the Time to Act, and it's about, um, you know, at, at some point down, down the road, youth violence has been, has gotten more challenging and more difficult, and I think, that all of us as educators go into the classroom and our teaching artists go into the classroom and they work with kids and they see the effect of that. And we decided collectively that enough was enough and that we had to speak up about this and we had to give you the platform to talk about what they're going through, whether it's in their schools, in their homes, in their communities. So we've kind of banded together around this theme, now is the time, um, and there's a website um, with all of our collective theater's information on it, um, and we hope that um, schools and um, students and teachers will, will um, get involved and create kind of a community around this issue of youth violence and intolerance. So is the, is the project is the website the project, or is there more? It's part of it. There's more. So the website, which is um, nowisthetimechicago.org, is a place um, to find out all the events that are going on throughout the city around this initiative. So mm-hmm. Writers Theater has events, Chicago Shakespeare Theater has events, Steppenwolf does, that are all themed around, um, like Nicole, you mentioned you do a lot of things around bullying. And mm-hmm. so all of those things would be listed on our, on our website. It's also a way for, for kids to create something, whether it's multimedia or something else, and then upload it onto the website and be able to share that and comment on it and have a community mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. around those themes. Mm-hmm. And there's partnerships between the different groups mm-hmm. as well. So, for example, we're um, working with Shy Arts, which is the Chicago Public School Art yeah. School. Uh-huh. They're very involved with this project, and they're doing their senior projects on devised works around violence that students are writing them and performing them as collaborative groups. We are putting on Romeo and Juliet around that same time that they're working on their devised pieces. And so what we're planning is there will be a conversation at Shy Arts between our director and cast and the students. And we began thinking this was as much, it, it will very much be 
a joint learning venture. I think it will be really helpful to our cast who are about to put this right. play on right. to thousands and thousands of students, and hopefully it will be helpful to the students to be talking to a professional cast who are immersed in that work as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Well, what is... Um, there's a fundamental question, which is, why are theaters in the business of doing education? And is there any concern about kind of being diverted from what one could say is the main mission, which is to make art? That's a, that's a really that's a tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that you can't make art unless you make artists and uh young people who have empathy and understanding for each other and tolerance and the best route to do that is through the arts. And and then I think there's a big component of it that is that kids just aren't getting it in the school day the way that we used to. Mm-hmm. Arts programs continually get cut. I mean, that's a broken record thing to say. It's sort of obvious at this point. But um, so it's a, it's a moral obligation as an arts community that we step in and and collaborate, I think. That's just me. Dive in, guys. <laughs> I think every cultural organization wrestles with this question, whether you are a performing arts organization, you are a museum. Mm-hmm. Every organization wrestles with the question of where does their outward focus and responsibility lie. Um, At a theater, there is this tension between, um, I think a healthy tension between the work on the stage, the art, and the process of education. And I I would say that that is a constant dialogue, um, but a good dialogue to be having. Well, like Marilyn, I, I was struck really when you said that you don't look for the kids in the Chicago public schools who might have the glimmerings of being young actors, specifically that you don't. That's what you said, right? Because one one approach might be, well, we're artists and we want to foster young artists who otherwise would have no clue that this world exists for them. Um, so what's your rationale for that decision? Well, you said before, you asked before we started this conversation together, sort of what brought us each to where we are. Um, My own background, my master's is in clinical social work. I had not really come up through the theater at all. And for better and for worse, I think we all bring who we are to the jobs we do. And so this program, which I've been involved in shaping for the past 20 years, both has my strengths in it and my limitations Mm -hmm. in it. You know, I could never do what Hallie does, which is to create art. Um, And so her, the program she has designed is very much around who she is. And I would say that the program here, and I, and I have to emphasize for better and for worse. The worse is just as, you know, 
is as important as the for better is is based on the human being who's leading it. Right, that makes so much sense. And, and the background to what Marilyn just said is that Hallie is a director, mm-hmm. um, so that the Steppenwolf program that you're involved in has a big component of these shows that you're. Do you, do you direct all of them? I don't direct all of them, but you're the but artistic direct, director yes. for. Yeah, I do. Series. I um, I usually direct one a year. We do two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do part of my job is to program. Right. Is there anything you can say about what kinds of texts work best for the work that you do? So, mm-hmm. Hallie, when you're picking a play to do um, in your series, Nicole, when you're picking a text to emphasize, or Marilyn, when you're picking a Shakespeare play, you have obviously an easier job maybe, but um, since <laughs> there is a limited <laughs> yeah. uh, pool to choose from. But what, what can any, either of you, any of the three of you say about what makes a, a rich text for, for the work you're doing? Um, I think that's the hardest part of my job is picking those two mm-hmm. plays. Um, it's a balancing act in terms of what the teachers are going to tap into and what the students are uh-huh, going to tap into. Right. And those mm-hmm. are two very different things. Mm-hmm. I try and pick things that are current in the students' lives that they can relate to, but that a teacher can understand how to work into a curriculum. Mm-hmm. So the book the, um, is a perfect example of... Um, um, that play takes place in Nazi Germany. It's about um, a young girl whose family decides to hide a Jew, and it's narrated by death. Mm-hmm. And um, it is just rich with a coming-of-age story at the center, but also the historical aspects of what was going on at that time. Right. And so kids really are relating it relating to the kids in the play mm-hmm. and their relationships with each other mm-hmm. and teachers and adults are relating to the deaf character and also the historical History. aspect mm-hmm. of right. it. So right. I try and really find a multi-generational piece that kind of reaches out. Yeah. Nicole, what would you say? We like to have conversations with teachers and principals to say, what what are your students struggling with? What are the big issues that you're facing? What are the big questions that you're facing? And then we try and find texts that address those. In each of our units, we pick an essential question, a big picture overarching question that relates to the book, but relates to the world in which the kids are living in. Um, what would be an example? So um, what makes a family? How do you know if something's right or wrong? What does it mean to be courageous? Mm-hmm. Um, things that we can jump off the page and connect to our lives, but are also really related to uh, a novel that we're working on. Right. Um, so for me, it's about picking picking texts that have those great questions and multiple great questions so that if a student doesn't necessarily relate to a question about family, they relate to a question about loss. And those both exist in the same piece of what's, literature. What's a book that you've used very successfully? There's a there's a um, writer, Jacqueline Woodson. She writes for um, elementary age audiences, and she has a book called Locomotion. Um, it's a really lovely novel about um, a boy who loses his parents in a you fire. Know, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, I just read it. It's a great adaptation, um, and. Uh, the book is told from his first-person perspective through poetry, mm-hmm. and each chapter is a different kind of poem. So it's a story about him processing his loss. It's a story about him learning to write to process his loss. Mm-hmm. And it's a book where you get to learn all of these great different kinds of poetic okay. forms. 
Um, and that one has a lot of great connections for, for kids. Marilyn. For the abridged Shakespeare, for many years we stuck with the, the kind of the curriculum, uh, war horses. And, which are, uh, Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, Julius Caesar, although thank God less so than it <laughs> used to be. Um, and it starts breaking down with comedies because most schools, if they do teach a comedy, there isn't, there isn't a consensus on which. So for a number of years, we only did the tragedies. And then at some point I realized what a shame that was mm -hmm. because even though we're trying to support the curriculum, there are other ways of supporting it other than simply producing the play that's being read in the classroom. And it seemed that a comedy might be a much better way mm -hmm. of engaging students and making them see another side of Shakespeare from what they are um, dealing with in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So now really the sky's the limit. But as far as the students doing their own play, I don't think we've found any more successful than Hamlet. We've wow. done it twice now. Yeah. And and why? What do they? Which piece of it do they relate to? Or how can you explain that? Our particular students are relating deeply to it in terms of the family um, crisis that's going on in that, in you know, the b betrayal of one generation to the next. Um, a, a young man who is trying to figure out who he is versus what's expected of him. Mm -hmm. And his own relationship to his his dead parent, and it's just it's so multi layered. And um, our most deeply walled off kids um, just seem to resonate very very um, uh, deeply. And how it. how do you know? What are you seeing when you feel like it's really getting into them? Well, they're sobbing for the first time in rehearsal. Wow. You know, so that you see the wall, the wall, the wall, day after day. And then as the director is working with them, you suddenly see this breakthrough when they're talking about um, things that are going on in their own families that are that tend to be um, pretty private and, and more walled off. Yeah, yeah. And their performance changes. So this, this fairly rote performance becomes something that is completely connected. Mm -hmm. wow. I think maybe a good way to end would be if each of you can think of just a moment when you really felt, now that's a success story. We, that's so cool that that just happened. Is there something that occurs to, to any of you in that line? As in like a, a student success story? I mean, or however, however you might define that when you say, that's why I come to work. Oh, that's I mean, I feel like there's so many. many. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have to say that one of my favorite moments and what I do is um, after the production is the partial discussion with students and kind of the um, the response the you know the emotional immediate response you get from the from them. We had we're doing the book thief. Um, right now for high school students and we had this one girl who said after she saw it she said you know I've been taught the holocaust in my classroom and um, 
I've seen pictures of it, but I've never felt it until mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment mm-hmm. where you're like, that's what theater is for. That's, <laughs> right. that's really great. Yeah. Um, in one of our literacy-based programs, um, we had a couple of students who were severely struggling readers, one of whom who had an a incredible stutter problem, um, speech problem. And, um, and their classmates were never that kind to them about it. Mm-hmm. It was always sort of a point of contention in the room that they got teased a little bit. And at the end of our program, we do a final presentation that was just an informal sharing out of their work. It's not a play, certainly. But, um, and both of those students got up and spoke clearly and loudly in front of their class. Mm-hmm. And then their class erupted in applause. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really lovely moment of, response where the kids were supporting themselves yeah. and each other in yeah. a way that they really hadn't previously yeah. because they'd been working on this project together. Right. So that, they'd you know, that's one of, you know, millions that keep right. us doing this, but it was, that was special. Yeah. I guess for me, my memories are very strong regarding the two performances we just had on Friday and Saturday of CPS Shakespeare. And I think that in addition to all of the successes that we see in the students, it's when those families come in and fill that theater Mm -hmm. and you see the complete diversity that Chicago Public Schools holds. And in two cases, family members um, saying to their kids for the first time since they were very small that they were proud of them and one of the, one of those times happened at home and the the um young woman came in the next day and was sobbing in the green room about having heard from her father um that he was proud of her for the first time in years and years the second time happened in front of an audience of 500 people and was being translated into english by his buddies sitting next to him with his son sitting on stage crying <laughs> as his father told him for the first time how proud he was of who he was as a son. So I think that it's those ripple effects too, which we just don't, we don't know. We don't right. know what they all are. Right. That's but the we, tip of an iceberg. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Anne.